If you have your Bibles with you, we'll be in the book of 1 Samuel again. If you haven't figured out where 1 Samuel is, the last two Sundays we've been there, it should be a pretty warm place in your Bible. Uh, 1 Samuel, uh, we'll be a little further along in the, cha- in the book, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 6. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 6, and if you could, when you get to 1 Samuel chapter 6, if you could stand to pay reverence this morning to the reading of the Word of God. First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 6, we'll start with verse 1. First Samuel chapter 6, verse 1, uh, the Word of God says this, And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, send it not empty. But in any wise return him a trespass offering, then ye shall be healed. And it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then said they, What shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? And they answered, Five golden emeralds and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on you all and on your lords." Wherefore, ye shall make images of your emeralds and the images of your mice that mar the land, and ye shall give glory unto the God of Israel, peradventure. He will lighten his hand from off you and from off his gods and from off your land. Wherefore, then did ye harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he had wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go, and they departed? Now, therefore, make a new cart and, make, and take two milch kine, on which there hath come no yoke, and tie the kind to the cart, and bring their calves home from them, and take the ark of the Lord, and lay it upon the cart, and put the jewels of gold, and which ye return him for a trespass offering, and a coffer by the side thereof, and send it away that it may go. And see if it goeth by the way of his own coast to Besmehesh, then he hath done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know it is not his hand that smote us, it was a chance that happened to us. And the men did so, and took two milch kine, and tied them to the cart, and shut up their calves at home. And they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart, and the coffer with the mice of gold, and the images of their emeralds. And the kine took straightway to the way of Bethmehesh, and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right hand, nor to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went unto them unto the border of Bethmehesh. And they, and they of Bethmesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. We thank you uh, for the scripture that you've impressed upon our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'll watch over those within this church, within this community. I pray that we can uh, humble ourselves this morning. I, I pray, Lord, that you'll take us and hide us behind the cross, use us as a willing vessel. And, Lord, watch over the many people that make up this church, the many problems that they're going through, the many heartaches, the many troublesome times. And Lord, I pray that you'll continue to help us, continue to direct us. And Lord, I I thank you for my home in heaven. I thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary uh, for a sinner like me. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You can be uh, seated this morning. Now, it's a pretty good bit of scripture that we read. Uh, 13 verses in 1 Samuel chapter 6 is uh, almost a full chapter and some uh, 
and some scriptures as far as the words, but uh, we'd like to think about how we got to this particular point before we focus too much on, on what's going on here. Now, we've, we've already studied and, and understood how Samuel was called uh, to be a prophet, and we understand uh, uh, that Samuel is pretty much, his word is not falling to the ground. He's becoming a very powerful uh, figure. We've already understood that Eli, uh, the one that he's learning under, is making some mistakes as the, uh, uh, one of the last judges of Israel, and Samuel being the last judge of Israel. Uh, but if we understand, if we back up two chapters before this, which I, I didn't find it uh, appropriate to back up two chapters and read through two or three chapters, but uh, we'll find that uh, uh, the Israelites go into battle. And what the Israelites had become to start doing is they, they took the Ark of the Covenant and every time they went into battle somewhere, they would take the Ark of the Covenant with them wherever they were in battle. And uh, what that was is that was the significance, or a, it, it signified that there was a presence of God because the Ark of the Covenant uh, really was a symbolic presence of the presence of God. Everywhere they went, if they took the ark with them in so many ways, uh, the presence of God was with them. Now, uh, most of us can understand and realize looking at that, uh, that really didn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, it was a symbolic nature of the presence of God, uh, uh, but I think the children of Israel should have known better that they really didn't have to take the ark of God with them uh, to have the presence of God with them. Uh, in so many ways, the children of Israel had come a, a sinful uh, uh, people that had a lot of issues, uh, but as long as they took the presence of God with them, uh, they were okay. Uh, it almost makes me think of some of the Christians that we had today. As long as we, we show up to church or as long as we pray over our meals, uh, we can live our lives any way that we want to on the outside. As long as we have a presence of God, so to speak, certain times, if we have a, a cross necklace or a cross on our shirt or, or what would Jesus do, uh, a bracelet, all those things makes it okay. Uh, uh, the children of Israel thought that they could take the Ark of the Covenant with them and they were okay as long as the presence of God was there. And what they did was they took it in the battle, if you back up two chapters, uh, and they were fighting in the Philistines. And what happened? Uh, uh, the Philistines overthrew them. And the Israelites said, well, surely there can't be anything wrong. So they just kept fighting because, hey, the presence of God is here. No matter how we live, uh, we've got the presence of God. And what happened? The Israelites were defeated. Uh, uh, the sons of Eli were killed. Uh, and the ark was taken back with the Philistines. Now, I I'd like for you to think just for a moment who the, <coughs> the children of Israel are and what the ark of the covenant was to them being the presence of God. Uh, uh, they went into battle and they had lost their God today church. Uh, well, they had went out in the battle and took God, literally, they thought with them into battle, they had lost and lost their God. Can you imagine uh, the heartbreak in the children of Israel truly depending upon the Ark of the Covenant because, hey, uh, their lives were messed up, their leadership was messed up, everything was messed up, uh, everything was going astray, but as long as they had the presence of God, they were okay. But when they went into battle, they lost the presence of God. Truly, there had to be great depression, a great a mourning there in the children of Israel. They, they surely thought that, my goodness, uh, God has abandoned us. God has left us. Uh, and, and surely, uh, the children of Israel, uh, they took it with them and they had lost. And they'd lost the ark of God. And in a way, they thought the Philistines took their God. Can you imagine that thought process? The Philistines just took our God away from us. That they were worried about the ark. Now, the ark of the covenant was a, a special thing, uh, but I, I think they had misunderstood exactly what the ark was. Now, the Philistines took the ark. I don't want you to realize what the Philistines did. 
Uh, the Philistines took the ark. If you back up a chapter before this, at the very beginning of the chapter, it says that they put it into the house of Dagon. I may be pronouncing that wrong. It don't matter. It was their God. They had put him into that house and they had a statue built of Dagon and they put the ark right next to Dagon. Now, uh, the Philistines in so many ways, they had worshipped a lot of gods. Uh, uh, they worshipped certain things. Now, I'd like to think that they thought, well, if we'll take the God of Israel uh, and we'll line him up with all our other gods, uh, we'll be blessed by these gods uh, and the children of Israel's God will bless us even on top of that. And you'll see them bring it into the house of Dagon. They set it next to that statue and it says that the next morning when they came out, uh, their statue was pushed over facing to the ground. They said, why did this happen? They stood the statue back up. They woke up the next morning. What had happened again? God had pushed that statue of Dagon right back into the ground again, face first. And the people of the Philistines said, why is this happening? Why is this going on? Uh, the third morning, they stood it back up. The third morning, they woke up to a Dagon statue that his head was cut off, his arms, his hands were cut off. And they said, what is going on? Is this truly the God of Israel that we brought into this place? And then you'll learn very quickly that after this, uh, uh, they were smoked with emeralds. Now, there's different uh, ideas of what emeralds were, uh, but it's pretty much tumors in your private areas. Now, I don't understand how bad that had to be, but they had tumors and boils and swells. Some of them believe it was just major hemorrhoids. I don't know what was going on in their lives, but I want you to know something. It was bad enough that these people were in peril and people started dying all over the place because they had took the ark of God into their camp. Now, I like to think that they were really questioning what they had decided to do. They'd went into a battle with the children of Israel and they had beat them. And then I'd like to think that they were smart enough to think, well, we'll take their God with us uh, and we'll be even more powerful with their God. And they questioned, my goodness, what are we going to do with this thing? What are we going to do? And then they took it and they said, hey, we're going to send it to Ekron down the road. We're going to send it down there, and when we get it there, we'll keep it there. And what do you think the people in the city of Ekron did when they saw the ark of God? They'd already heard what had happened in the house of Dagon. And they took it to Ekron, and the people of Ekron said, Hey, do you want us all to die? Why are you bringing the ark of God here? Now, everyone either died or had tumors all over their bodies. That's what happened to these people. You were not... Uh, not going to be eat up with tumors or boils or, or you are not going to die. One of those two, you was going to suffer from what was going on. And what they had thought would be beneficial to them hurt them. What they thought they could do with God backfired on them. The world sometimes thinks they can take God and, and fit it into their form and do with God what they think would do right and, and live like the world. I want you to know, that doesn't work. How many of you today, and I could raise my hand and say that I've done it, I, I've tried to make God fit into my plans. I've tried to make God uh, fit into the way that I was living, uh, the way that I was speaking, the way that I was doing things. I said, well, God's with me. How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, but really think about how we've tried to fit God into our life. We don't fit our life into God. We try to make God into our life. And what happened with the Philistines? Uh, they lived like the devil, worshipped all kinds of things, and thought, well, we'll just bring God into this. Hey, that don't work. Every time I can look back on my life, I'm just 33 years old, but I can look back and I can see sometimes, that, yeah, I, I tried to make God fit into a very sinful life. I tried to make God fit into the way that I wanted God to fit, 
It didn't work. It does not work. And I want you to know something. When we try to, to fit that into our lives, it does not work. It never will work. And just as the Israelites tried to, to turn and use the ark as a presence of God, even though they were in a sinful life, it didn't work for them either. It doesn't work for God's people. It does not work for everybody else. Uh, you cannot make God a center of your focal point and live like the devil. It doesn't work. It backfires. You know, I'm glad that the, the people of the world will try to take God's Word and mold it into their lives and make it look like everything else. That's exactly what these people did. The Philistines were living like the world. They, were, they, they are an image of the world and they tried to bring God into it to get power from it. Do y'all realize that's what people do today? The news does it. The media does it. The, the world tries to say, well, your God says this. Well, your God says that. The Word of God says this. And you're not doing that. And they try to uh, manipulate us and hurt us. Do you not think that the Philistines, uh, in a way, when they were marching away with the Ark of the Covenant, said, hey, we got your beat. God's with us. We understand it. It's with us. But it backfired so bad. And none of the things made sense to them. And we pick up at this point. They've already taken it to Ephraim. They've already had it. And we pick up in this chapter. It's seven months later. Seven months. They've been covered in tumors, boils, and people dying all over the place. And they finally decided after seven months. Hey, don't that sound like y'all? Are y'all hard-headed like that? Yeah, I, I'm hard-headed too. It took them seven months of people dying everywhere and, and wondering what in the world's going on. Is it the ark? Is it God? Hey, seven months, people died, got covered. Everybody's covered up. They said, hmm, let's analyze what's going on. And they see in the beginning of chapter, se- of chapter 6 that they had it for seven months. Seven months of havoc has been wreaked. But I want to look at how the Philistines questioned it. What they did was they went to their priest. Now if we go back to chapter 4 and we read when the children of Israel fought and they had lost and they went right back into battle and then they lost the Ark of the Covenant, you don't see the children of Israel go to their priest and ask permission. You also don't see the children of Israel that I can find praying to God to give them direction. But what did the sinful, godless Philistines do? They actually went to their priest to see what they should do. And what did the priest tell them to do? And we, we could read it all over. We don't have to. The priest said, hey, we're going to send this thing back. Okay? And we ain't going to send it back empty because the God of Israel, hey, uh, He ain't messing around. We're going to give them some gold. Uh, we're going to make golden uh, emeralds, which is whatever was they were plagued with, different ideas there, whatever they had plagues all over themselves with, we're going to make golden idols of those things uh, and we're going to stick them next to the Ark of the Covenant and then we're going to go out and we're going to get two milk cows. I want you to realize what they did. They said, we're going to go get two milk cows, which is milk's kind. We're going to get two milk cows has got calves is what it says. They got calves and we're going to make sure they've never had anything put upon them. They've never pulled a wagon. They don't know how to pull a wagon. Uh, they'll probably go crazy if it ain't God of Israel. And we're going to put them uh, on the Ark of the Covenant and we're going to put the gold, uh, we're going to put the Ark on a brand new cart. We're going to build one, a cart specially made to haul the Ark of the Covenant. And two cows uh, specifically there only to ever haul the Ark of the Covenant back to 
to the children of Israel. Do y'all realize this, how God impressed that had to be? God even dwells in the hearts and the minds of the heathen and in the lost. God is everywhere and God will get His Word and His presence back to where it belongs. I want you to realize when you read this, it does not say that the children of Israel cried out a great cry and the Ark of the Covenant came back to them. The children of Israel did not pray and God heard their prayers and sent the Ark of the Covenant back. It says very plainly that the Philistines got together, they sought direction, and they sent it back. I should tell you something, folks. I should tell you that you ain't got a whole lot of control over what God does. God's presence is gone from you. It ain't always up to you to get it back. It may be somebody else that will step in and help you. The Philistines got this brand new ark. They built a brand new cart, put the ark on it. Got two cows that had calves and said, hey, put the calves over here. We're going to hook it up to these cows and we're going to send it back. And it pretty very clearly says that if it goes back, we know that the God of Israel is to blame for everything that's happened to us. Now what happened? What do you think happened? We ain't got to read all that. They put up this stuff together. And God used a pagan priest to deliver the ark of God back to Israel. Y'all realize that? God used a pagan priest to send the ark of God back to Israel. It was not up to the children of Israel. The children of Israel made all their mistakes. And I, I want you to realize something. If it was only up to me to get God's presence in my life, I could never do it. I, I'm not good enough. There's nothing within me that's good enough. You know what it is? It takes a divine presence of God to give His presence to me. It's not up to me. I can't do good enough things. The church in the, in the Western civilization in the United States, we think that if you're blessed, the church grows, you've got money, you've got fame, that God's involved with that for some reason. We, we think that if you're persecuted in any way, God's left you. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word shows us that the presence of God is dependent upon who? God. The Word of God shows us that the presence of an Almighty God is dependent upon God. He'll do what He wants, when He wants, through whoever He wants. And we don't have a whole lot of control over it. We can preach a doom and gloom. We can preach salvation every Sunday. We can preach whatever we want to. Zach Stone isn't going to save anybody. Nobody in this church is going to save anybody. If you get saved today, it's only through God and His presence and His time. Do you, you think that the Philistines had control for seven months? <laughs> no. If they would have been smart, they would have said after a week, we're sending this thing back. First few people died, nah. Dagon got his head cut off, nah. We're sending it back. But they held on to it for seven months. Hard-headed bunch of folks like me. They said, well, surely it isn't this Ark of the Covenant. But I want you to realize something, that they put them on this, this cow, these two cows, they sent them off, and what did the cows do? They went right back to Israel. I want you to realize something too. Mama cows, with calves still alive, 
They want to milk them cows. They want to feed these are milk cows. They ain't supposed to pull no cart. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was God in their lives. Just as you sometimes, we have to know, we have to see something so amazing. The children of Israel, I I, I believe they had to witness this coming back. uh, uh, Two milk cows that are not designed to pull a cart is pulling back a brand new cart uh, with with the Ark of the Covenant on it and gold upon the Ark. Uh, What in the world is this coming back? They gave us money and they gave us the Ark back. They didn't want to have no part of that stuff. And when they saw it, what they did? They rejoiced. They looked upon it and rejoiced. Now, I didn't read the verses after, I think, 14 or wherever we stopped at. But it says that the cow stopped right next to a big old rock. What is a big old rock perfect for in their time? Sacrifice. Those two cows pulled that Ark of the Covenant right next to a rock. What did they do? They killed those two cows. They were a perfect sacrifice to make right up on that altar that stopped right there with them old cows. I want you to know the children of Israel, at that point, they stopped bringing the presence of God, the ark. They stopped bringing that with them in the battle. They realized, I believe, right then and there, that that right there is not something we take in the battle. That's something we keep at home. That's something we keep within ourselves. That's something we protect with every ounce of our life. We don't bring that thing out to the battlefield. We don't want to go out into a battlefield and bring that thing with us. The presence of God is something that is holy. And what does it say? It says in the Scripture, after this, they took it into a town and left it there for 20 years. Before this, they was taking that thing around everywhere, going into battle with it, doing whatever they wanted to. It got captured. People got punished. It got sent back in in just an amazing way. But then they decided, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. We're putting this thing in a town and we're going to leave it there and stay there for 20 years. Now, what can we gather from this? There's a few things. We can gather that what we think is best is not always best. Uh, the, uh, the, the Philistines truly thought that the right thing to do was to get that ark. They thought that putting that God with their other gods, you may think that taking God and bringing it into your life and mixing it with all the other things that you want is going to work. You may get punished. You may have a lot of things that you go through before you finally realize, hopefully it won't take seven months, <laughs> you finally realize that this ain't working. I'm getting punished. Things are going wrong. Things are not working out right. I, I have the presence of God here with me. I have the uh, God of Israel, Jacob, and Abraham, and Isaac. I have Him with me. I, I, I'm saved by Jesus Christ, but I'm living like the world. I don't know what's going wrong. I can tell you what's going wrong. You're not living for God. The Philistines came in and took their presence of God away from them. That wasn't the right thing to do. They thought they could get away with it. So what you think is best is not always right. But more importantly, I see from this story that God's presence is not very far away. God's presence is not very far away. You don't have any control over God's presence. You don't. I don't care what you think. I know that the Word of God tells us that God's always with us and never forsake us. He'll always be with us even until the end. But I can't control what God does. I can't control uh, the messages a lot of times that He brings. I can't control uh, who's here. I can't control who listens to to a witness. I can't control uh, who testifies. I can't control who goes to an altar. I can't control who gets saved. I can't. That's God. I'm glad I'm not in control. If I was in control, I'd mess it up. If I was in control, everything would be disarray. 
because I couldn't do it. The children of Israel thought that they had lost, in so many ways, their God. And you may feel in a certain way that God has left you, that God has given up on you, that you can't seem to get anything right, and that when you go into battle, and so to speak, when you face certain hard times, you lose. You get deflated. Boy, I've lost those battles before, and I just felt like I just got whipped by the world. Nothing's right. I feel so defenseless. I feel like I can't do anything to please God. I feel like nothing I do is right. I feel like God's presence has gone from me. You know, the harder I look for it, though, the harder it is to find it. But all you got to do is trust in God. He'll come back to you. It says that they brought this, they sent those calves back. They made an offering to the Lord. They rejoiced. And the Bible even mentions 70 people there in the children of Israel that did not praise. We don't really understand exactly. I don't understand exactly what happened in these 70 people's lives in the camp of the children of Israel. But there are 70 people that died when the Ark of the Covenant came back. That's scary. There are 70 people that died. I don't know if they didn't praise God enough. I didn't know if they didn't rejoice enough. I didn't know if they, maybe they didn't care when the Ark of the Covenant came back. I, the, the shape of their lives when the presence of God came back, it was not suitable for God. And they died. And that bothers me. That bothers me that we may have people in the church that when God's presence comes back to them, they just don't care. They wouldn't know the presence of God if it swiped them upside the head. They wouldn't know if God was dealing with them or not, and if it did, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't rejoice, knowing that there are people that need to be saved. God's presence, praise God, is not far away. As they get a verse of some song ready, His presence might be gone, but I'm glad that it won't be gone long. He won't be gone long. He's not very far away, and I'm glad today that He can get you, he can get you back on track. And God's presence moves when He wants to. Any way He can. Using anybody that He wants. Ain't that a little scary today?